Gadgets here in Kansas City, and I've been wanting to contribute to Hacker Public Radio. And when I found uh, or heard on a promotion that you had a phone in line, this seemed perfect to me because hey, that's what I do. I sewed it in. You may have heard me calling into various podcasts, and uh, never have really started my own podcast, at least not on a regular basis. Hoping to do that in the future. So. I thought I would contribute my first computer. Now, I'm a bit older than you uh, on average, I think, because I'm uh, on the the north side of half century, and I have been doing things with microcomputers since really pretty much the very beginning. Uh, So my first computer I actually owned and was able to program even predated microcomputers, I suppose, because I believe it was an eighth grade advanced math class. We spent some time learning about the, the you know, at least the principles of programming. And uh, I had a, a cardboard kind of a mechanism that had little sliders up and down, and you could actually write a program, and then you would run through and, and do things with the accumulator and the memory slots and all this kind of stuff, and you could run your program and see if your program logically worked the way you thought and you got the result that you thought you would get. So that, I guess, technically was my first computer, but as far as my actual first microcomputer that I ever owned, I didn't have the money. It was during college that uh, the the initial MITS, you know, computer made – started the revolution by being on the cover of an electronics magazine and all that kind of stuff. The legendary, you know, Paul Allen comes to Bill Gates over at Harvard and says they're starting the revolution without us, and they decide to go down and, you know, write a basic uh, compiler and all those kinds of things, and Microsoft gets started. And the first single board computer that I could afford to purchase and build was a Cosmac Elf which was an 1802 processor. It was from RCA, and uh, it had some advantages over some of the other processors of the day. Uh, the, uh, uh, this is uh, back in the days of the, uh, you know, we weren't talking about the 8088. We were still talking about the 4004 and the 8008, uh, you know, processors here. And uh, the Cosmac Elf 1802 had an advantage in that it was CMOS, so it was low power, and it multiplexed some of its processor lines because it was still a 40-pin DIP back then, and there were only so many things you could do with the 40 pins, and most of the other microprocessor chips, uh, even the 4004 and especially the 8008, there were all kinds of other extra chips that were involved, and the boards were more complex, and because of the way that the 1802 multiplexed its lines, it was able to do more within the chip, 
and it actually used the chips for memory, the lines for memory addressing, and the lines for input-output were common lines, and it multiplexed those lines, and depending upon what a, another pin was, you could uh, gate that, that to be used for the, the memory as well as for the uh, input-output lines. So it was a simpler chip uh, as far as board design and thusly cheaper as far as board design. Uh, built that board myself and uh, at least uh, I think the, the 1802 chip, well there, there, was a, there was already a 40 pin connector on the board and there, uh, there were a few parts that were pre-mounted on the board and then you had to add the rest of the parts yourself as I remember. And uh, so I built that myself. Ironically, that was also my first multimedia computer because there was this strange program that I found. And you'd find these programs every month in the electronics magazines. And this is even before Byte and the computer magazines themselves, or right about the time maybe that Byte was, was first starting up. And uh, so you would find these programs, though, for these things and in magazines that you could get and articles that you would see in the magazines. And I found a, a program that there was an input-output line on the board, a single-bit line. And you would connect a piece of wire to that single line. And what this program would do, and you had to hand-enter these on a, a hex keyboard that was on there. Now, when I say a hex keyboard, there was a little keyboard to, uh, the only input-output that was display or keyboard for this was a small, uh, you know, hex keyboard that was 4x4, four four, if I remember correctly. So it wasn't quite like a, a T9 keyboard, but it was something like that, right? To enter in hex values, everything was in machine language. There was no assembler, at least initially, for the 1802 that was available, right? Little would a assembler do you any good because there was also no ASCII keyboard or way to hook up a a, uh, a video you know terminal to this even if you had one uh, you could at this point in time this was back when Don Lancaster was uh, selling uh, his book like hotcakes which was the TV uh, what was it the TV typewriter cookbook I believe it was called which was a a teletype that you could build yourself, essentially a uh, a keyboard and driver for the video. You could hook up a monitor, regular composite monitor, black and white or green screen to this, and you could use that to do entry of programs into things with higher order languages uh, at the time. But uh, otherwise, you had to have a teletype machine, a Model 42, I believe it was, uh, Western Electric Teletype Machine, which was a big, gigantic mechanical device, uh, a, a, think of it as an electric typewriter on steroids, right? It was literally what they would use at Western Union to send and receive telegrams. And the teletype machine used RS-232. It used a current loop address. I forget what the standard was for that. But you could get that hooked up to your computer at the time and it had a big printer that would print out uh, results, uh, uh, and you could type in your programs there. Uh, you know, there wasn't even tape drives at this particular point. You would type things in, and the, the advantage of the teletype also was it would have a, 
a paper a paper punch machine to to punch paper tape so you could have your program on paper tape and then you could keep those paper tapes and read them through with the reader to load your programs uh the 1802 was an advanced because it had next keyboard you know on the original uh mits computer it was flip switches on the front you'd flip the switches to get your eight bits the way you wanted it and then you'd flip a switch to you know store that in your memory and then you go on to the next byte you'd flip your switches for your bytes i mean we're talking way back here guys uh machine language programming if you've never done real machine language programming on an 8-bit computer uh the way you would jump back uh talk about spaghetti code the way you would actually jump back is you would jump forward far enough that you looped around for the 8-bit uh, address space and came to the address space that's behind you, but you were actually, like, going into the future, and it took you into the past, like a Star Trek episode or something. Uh, and so I laboriously typed in on the hex keyboard this program, and it would turn on and off the single bit uh, that had this connector that the wire was hanging off of it, right? And you'd set an AM radio next to the computer, and you'd, of course, have to, as part of your hex, you'd have to put in some values in the very limited, I think there's maybe 4K of memory on this machine, which was advanced for the time, and the 4K of memory would not only hold your program, but it also would hold your values for whatever it is you were going to play, and it would turn on and off the single bit fast enough to provide an AM signal that would then kind of like, it was like tuned static, I guess. It was it would turn on and off the, the single bit to provide an AM signal that would play whatever tune you had uh, programmed in on your AM radio. So it was my first multimedia computer. It was capable of playing music. I think that's probably long enough for this first episode. Uh, my first computer, the Cosmac ELF-1802. I eventually got an expansion memory board for that, but by the time they came out with any kind of video output and all those kinds of things, I had moved on to another computer that actually had a keyboard and video out and things like that that was, uh, that was affordable enough for a college student to be able to uh, work with at the time. But we'll leave that for another episode. So this is Mr. Gadget signing off. And you can come out and see things about me at MrGadgets.com. I am Mr. Gadgets on Identica, Mr. Gadgets on Twitter. And you can send me email at HackerPublicRadio or HPR, either one, at MrGadgets.com. I welcome interacting with you and look forward to leaving some other phone messages with other things about my historical past. And with that, this is Mr. Gadget signing off from Kansas City, Missouri. You be careful here. You're out on the technological frontier, and I'll be trailblazing there ahead of you. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by Caro.net. So head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.